Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. standing Mark chapter 11 We're going to be standing about 30 more seconds Mark chapter 11 when they brought the coat to Jesus threw their cloaks over it he said on it many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they had cut in the field and those who went ahead and those who followed shouted Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David Hosanna to the highest heaven. Verse 11 said, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. My subject today is anyone still cheering. What a glorious congregation. I'll do my best to preach in the, in the allotted time. We're going to give you a chance to pray and to find Jesus and to recommit yourself today. It's going to be a wonderful day. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor, and you may be seated. God bless. <laughs> Amen. Some years ago, I want you to listen real fast because I'm going to preach fast. Some years ago, a book was written by a noted American historian entitled, When the Cheering Stopped. It was a story of President Woodrow Wilson. It concerned the events leading up to and following World War I. When the war ended, Wilson was an international hero. America had won that war. There was wonderful optimism everywhere, and people felt it was the last war that would ever be fought. And the world had been made safe for democracy. After the war, Paris greeted Mr. Wilson with cheering mobs. He was more popular there than their own heroes. The same thing was true in England and in Italy. In a Vienna hospital, a Red Cross worker told the children that there would be no Christmas presents that year because of the war and because of the hard times. But the children in that hospital would not believe her because they said, Mr. Wilson, President Wilson's coming to see us, and when he comes, he'll be loaded with gifts for us. They said President Wilson was coming, and they knew everything was going to be all right. The cheering lasted, though, just for about a year, and then it gradually began to stop. For the political leaders in Europe were more concerned with their own agendas than having lasting peace. And also at home, President Wilson ran into opposition in the United States Senate, and his League of Nations was never ratified. And under the strain of all this, his health began to break. He suffered a stroke, and in the next election, his party was defeated. In one year, you've got to get this, folks, in one year, Woodrow Wilson went from being a world messiah to a broken and a defeated man. It's a sad story. But I must tell you, I have read others very similar. For the road for so many who try to translate ideals into reality is found to be paved with frustration and with defeat. There are some exceptions, of course, but not too many. It happened to our Messiah. 
it happened to Jesus Christ. Jesus emerged on the public scene as an overnight sensation. And when he tried to be alone, people would not let him be alone. They would follow him anywhere, up a mountain, out in the desert, across the sea. The masses lined the street when he came into town. And on Palm Sunday, this Sunday, over 2,000 years ago, leafy palm branches were spread before him, and there were shouts of Hosanna. That literally means, save us now, Jesus. Please save us right now. Great crowds came to hear him speak. Greater still came to see his miracles. There was a wave of expectation that swept the country, but the cheering did not last long. There came a point when the tide began to turn against him. Oh, you didn't notice it much at first. People still came to see him, but the old excitement was missing, and the crowds were not as large as they had been. His critics now, because they saw an opening, began to publicly attack him. There was, that was a new and different thing. The fear of the masses forbade the critics to speak before against the Lord, but they saw the fickle public turning on him. So op opposition began to snowball. And when they realized that they could, discredit his, could not discredit his moral character, they began to take more desperate measures. And a tidal wave welled up and brought Jesus to his knees under the weight of a cross. Why did the masses turn against him so fast? How did Hosanna shouts on Sunday transform to crucify cries on Friday? What were the underlying issues? In five days, folks, it fell apart. Why? How? I've asked myself that many, many times. Where did the cheering go? But during that last week, let me preach a little now, of Jesus' life, an interesting scene occurred in full view of all the people. A rich young ruler came running to Jesus. And everyone knows the dialogue that took place. He asked him, Lord, how can I obtain eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. The masses were stunned. They were stunned first theologically because they believed God had especially blessed rich men and maybe thought, that those men did not even need a message. But let me tell you how Jesus operates. It doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. That doesn't impress him. What impresses him is your heart serving him. And he knew that that man had things that stood between him and his salvation with Almighty God. And he said, you've got to get rid of some stuff because I've got to be number one in your life. How many want to make him number one here today in your life? Come on. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in. How do you love Jesus today? So Jesus began to talk more about commitment and less about miracles. The problem was, the second thing, Jesus had always been about grace. Feeding 5,000, healing the sick. He comes to rescue a woman caught in the very act of adultery. And she's about to be stoned. And he says, woman, after he after he's writes on the ground, said, woman, where are thine accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And people love the ministry of grace upon grace. But now he seemed to be saying, the time for miracles is over. It's time for commitment now. And there's some people, when the miracles cease in their home, the cheering stops in their house. 
I don't know where you're standing today or where you're sitting today in your relationship with God. But it does not matter if you have not had the miracle that you need to turn the tide in your home. He is still worthy to be praised today because that's the kind of commitment we need. Ricardo said he inhabits the praise of his people. It does not matter if you don't have a job today, if your kids are not with you today, if you don't know where they are, Jesus Christ still deserves to be praised today because that's what it's all about. Somebody magnifying in all four Gospels after Jesus entered Jerusalem to the shouts of Hosanna and palm branches, there's not another miracle recorded for the people. Only the restoring of the ear of Malchus, an ear that one of his disciples had taken off. Nothing for the people. That may not seem significant to you, except that nearly one half of the Gospels is devoted to the last seven days of Jesus' life. You might miss that. Let me say it again. The, the, except nearly one half of the Gospels is devoted to the last seven days of Jesus' life. Then you understand the significance of this. Maybe no miracles in those chapters, but you will find a clarion call to commitment. Jesus was hungry one day, stopped by a fig tree to find some figs, and there was none. So he cursed the fig tree, and it withers because it was producing no fruit. Jesus demands in this hour people who are fruitful and committed in their life for him. A parable is told. Who is more committed? The son who says, I will work and then does not go, or the son who says, I will not work, and repents and gets the job done. It's the person that doesn't say it. It's the person that does it. Oh, I wish that somebody would help me right now. We don't need a lot of words. We need a lot of action in the church. We need people to get a hold of this thing and get the job accomplished in this hour. Say amen to that. Oh, I feel like preaching. The greatest commandment ever given. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a call to commitment. It's always a call to commitment. His teachings. Be watchful, for we do not know the day or hour of his return. It's also there. One question I want to ask you. When miracles are not happening, are we still committed to the Christ, or does our cheering stop? I will tell you that when you can cheer, when you can shout when there's not a miracle, it does hell a turmoil. Hell can't handle you when you say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. Somebody ought to offer some praise here today. Somebody ought to get your praise on here today. It's important you understand that. Christians, our churches have become consumer concept creatures instead of committed slanted look at what we offer we say we've got things for your kids we've got things for your young people we've got things for the singles we've got things we've got elective classes here we've got dave ramsey financial peace university we got all this stuff going on we got starting point today after service you that want to connect and grow and serve in this church we've got starting point for you today it's right down the multi-purpose room and mitch and brad and josh will be down there to meet you you'll have ushers to show you how to get there we've announced it to you several sundays we're looking for you in the multi-purpose room afterwards but we offer all these things we offer things for the older people we offer sunday school classes we offer 
offer youth classes. We offer Bible study classes, men's fellowship, men's Bible study, ladies' Bible study. But it's not about that. I believe church ought to offer great things, and this church does. But a rush to join a church fraternity or a sorority must not come before a church of commitment to discipleship. This church is called to discipleship with Almighty God. Can you say amen to that? Church is still a place for the committed. Say amen. I think the second reason the cheering stopped that day is Jesus dared to suggest that all people are worth loving. Woo! Everybody's worth something. You know, we have social groups and we have social circles, and many times we don't include everybody in those social circles, but Jesus does. Everybody counts to Jesus Christ. On Palm Sunday, he goes through the temple and he drives out the money changers. And after the temple has been emptied, however, he invites the lame. You listening to me? The poor, the sick, the outcast of society. That's what Matthew said. He dares to bring into the church those whom we would refer to today as the seedy street people. That's not the way to win friends, Jesus, and influence people. He should know that. He's saying that all people have an access to God. I will stand beside him today and say, Amen, Jesus Christ. Everybody. Did you hear me? I said everybody. I said everybody. I said everybody needs an opportunity to meet Jesus somewhere in a church. Somewhere where people still care about the loss. I got so excited today. Some of our people that come to this church are going through David Pena and Margie Pena's transitional homes. And one of them come to me today and pulled me up close to him and started quoting a scripture in my ear. Two years ago, he probably didn't even know what the Bible was. He was lost. He was out there in the abyss somewhere. But God found him. God saved him. You know, God still can bring people out from under a bridge and save them and make them build bridges. God can still bring people out of psychiatric units and give them favor and heal their bodies and heal their minds and cause them to go back into that same area. God can bring people out of prisons even now. And they've done it, God's done it in this church and save those old boys and send them back into the prison to preach the gospel of salvation. I still believe that God can do anything with anybody because everybody needs to be loved. Say amen to that. I'm preaching to you today. I don't have a lot of time. Let me give you a chain of events as Jesus comes to Jerusalem. The disenfranchised of society are the ones understanding his Messiahship. On the way to the capital city, a poor blind beggar, we call him Bartimaeus, cries out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The world called him Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus from nowhere, Jesus of nobody. But when somebody referred to him as Jesus, thou son of David, they were referring to his regalism. They were referring to his royalty. They knew that he was something special. They recognized his power. And the crowd rebuked Bartimaeus and said, shut up and leave him alone. But when Jesus heard, thou son of David, he stopped and said, bring him to me. And the Bible said Bartimaeus threw away his garments and came running to Jesus. And Jesus said, what will you have me to do? He said, heal my eyes. And he healed his eyes that day. 
Here's what I want to tell you. Everybody needs a chance to find Jesus Christ, even the blind beggars in the ditch. And then Jesus comes into town and people are screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And some people don't even realize this. You know, where the, you know, you know who was starting that chant? Little old children on the temple steps were up there screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And those little kids got under the skin of the Pharisees. They didn't want children to be a part of this thing. They wanted kids to grow up and learn the law but not get touched by Jesus too young. Oh, somebody in Sunday school over there, tell them Jesus loves them right when they are right now. Jesus loves our kids right now at 6. He loves our kids right now at 7. He loves our kids right now at 3. I want every child in this house to know that Jesus loves them right now. And that's when Jesus came back and said, hey, if these kids hold their peace, the rocks are going to cry out to me. The mountains will grow vocal cords and they'll start screaming because I'm going to have somebody that's going to magnify me. Moses stands before a burning bush in the Old Testament. This is something I never saw in my life until I started studying again this week, and I've read about this story many times. Then Moses stand there and he said, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses makes, it, makes excuses for a whole chapter. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't talk right. <laughs> who can I say? Who can I say sent me? <laughs> and finally, the Bible said God got so angry, he wanted to kill him. It's in your Bible. Exodus chapter 4, read it for yourself. God said, I'm going to take you out, boy. I don't want God taking this old boy out. I want the burning bush to get inside of me. And I want everybody that needs Jesus to be set free in Austin, Texas. I want everybody to be set free. Hey, God's just getting started with this church. Is there anybody still cheering? Anybody still cheering? Anybody still cheering? Anybody still happy out there? Come on, is anyone? Hallelujah. I read about a special, oh, oh, hallelujah. I read about a special Olympics when nine little kids got in a race for the 100-yard dash, and they took off. And about 10 yards in, one of the kids fell down and began to cry. And those challenged kids did not equate the world's concept of competition of taking advantage when a competitor was down. So the other eight kids stopped running and came back and picked the kid up. And a little young girl with Down syndrome kissed him and brushed him off. Then the kids all wrapped arms around each other and crossed the finish line together. They had to bring nine gold medals instead of just one. That's what, that's what a church is all about. This isn't a social order. It's not a fraternity, a sorority. It's a place where Jesus saves people and Jesus heals the sick. Anybody still cheering out there? Wow. Let me hurry. My God, it's 12. I got two minutes. Let me give you the third reason. First reason was he talked about commitment more than he talked about miracles. Second reason was he started saying everybody was important. Everybody needed to be loved. Third reason was he began to talk more and more about a cross. Now, you've got to listen to me. I don't care what you're a part of. Anything that you're a part of that you want to get better at, it takes a little sacrifice. 
I'd like to tell you that we're going to go on the Aladdin carpet. And we're just going to sail into glory. Ooh, oh, that's a little, that's a little bumpy now there, Pastor. That's a little bumpy. Let's have, let's have smoother ride than that. No, 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 no. Somewhere in your life, there's going to come a time when you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to do it. And Jesus started talking about the cross. He started talking about laying down his life. America is one of the most spoiled nations in the world because we've had it easy. Sacrifice? Hey, hey. I fasted breakfast the other day. I just had toast and no eggs. <laughs> Sacrifice? I love y'all. Sacrifice? Sacrifice? Oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I parked way out yonder and walked further to church sacrifice God it was a long walk at least 50 yards sacrifice it's like that little boy in that peewee baseball game he got up to bat and looked down the third base coach and the coach signaled him for sacrifice bunt and the pitch came in and he swung and missed and swung and missed and swung and missed and the coach ran over to him and said son did you not see me lay the sacrifice sign down he said yeah coach I saw you but I didn't think you really meant it a lot of things that we don't think God really means but folks listen to me when you look at a gospel that cost him his life and cost all the disciples their lives save John and he was boiled in a pot of hot oil and because of double jeopardy they couldn't kill him the second time put him on an isle of Patmos thought he would never come off of there but God saw that he came off and he lived a long life and died in Ephesus and got, we got first and second and third John and we got some love letters to us because the Lord let him live. But here's what I want to tell you. There is a thing called sacrifice. Folks, can I just close and tell you this? We have church for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We have church for an hour and 15 minutes on Wednesday night unless I'm sick like I was last Wednesday and you get out in less than an hour. That won't be regular though. Don't look for that every Wednesday. <laughs> Are you with me? But I know you have jobs. Let me preach just a minute. I know you have jobs. I know you got kids. I know you got stuff. But I'm asking you today, do you think you could sacrifice an hour 15 on Wednesday? You think you could sacrifice an hour and a half every Sunday? Do you think that's too much to give to a God that's given you everything? Hey, 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 hey. I'm like Alex Haley. I'm like Alex Haley said, if you ever see a turtle on the fence post, he didn't get there by himself. You listen to me. You didn't get here by yourself. God brought you here today. God lifted you up. God brought you out of the miry clay. He established your foot. He established your going. It's he that has made you and not you yourself. And it's he that has saved you. And you need to understand that. Can we just absolutely have a little more sacrifice? God calls for it. Do you think it's all right to get out of your bed and pray for the church? When God calls for it, do you think it's all right to push the plate back and say, you know what? I need to give God a little more this week. When God says, you know what?
church is in need of a new parking lot. The church is in need of some stuff. Maybe I can sacrifice and give above my tithe to help the church pave a parking lot so we can park a whole lot more cars, so we can catch a whole lot more starfish and throw them back in the ocean and say another one got saved today. Do you think that's important? Do you think that's important? I've got to close. I see my birthday up there, 1228. It's time to shut it down. Starting point starting in just a moment, but I want everyone to stand right quick. Would you do that? I want you to stand to your feet. You're awesome people. Is anyone still cheering? Is anyone still cheering? Is anyone still cheering? I am the best pastor in the world with that time clock. I don't want to keep you a minute past your lunch date. But I think today it'd be all right if we had a little prayer at the end of service. I want our prayer partners to come right quickly. Just come on down here right quickly. Because I feel like today that there's some people that need to get your cheer back need to get your joy back. You need to get your contentment, your peace back. Come on. I need some people on this side to help me. I need some elders. We need some elders. We need some prayer partners on this side. I need some help over here. Somebody come help me over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, Richard. Brother Brother Tom, come stand right here in the middle, sir. Come stand right here in the middle. Amen. Richard, stand there. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now we're doing good. Now we're good. Now we're good. Amen. I want you to bow your head close your eyes just a moment. I want you to do that. I would appreciate if you would hang with us just a little longer today, maybe five minutes more than what we normally hold you. This is a great day. It's a great time. It's a great, it's a great era in our church. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. A young girl came up and hugged me today and said, Pastor, I've been looking all over Austin for a church and said when I heard you preach for the first time, I knew you cared about us said it blew me away and I'm so happy to be here let me tell you let let, let me share something with you if there's one thing that we do we care about people we may not form the words we may be more mosaic than we are Aaron in some of our speeches but because we're trying to get it said so quickly when the time is so short but I will tell you this that Jesus loves you today he loves you today and he wants you to be different when you leave here today So I'm asking for a recommit call. I'm asking for a salvation call right now. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Nobody looking. If you you would just lift your hand to me and say, Pastor, I really need you to pray for me today. I'm going to be the only one looking all over the building. Come on, lift your hands. Don't be afraid. That's it. Oh, that's wonderful. Put your hands down. It's a mass of humanity. It's a mass of humanity. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you to come this morning and give five minutes of your time to that Savior you lifted your hands to and come and stand in front of these people. They may not be able to get to you individually, but just come and stand. Come on. Come on. Come out of your pews right now. Come out of your pews. Come out of the balcony right now. Come on. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.